0: Hello there and welcome to Chat Shit, Get Fit, Fitness News, where we unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I am Bill and I'm joined, as always, by Tom. Ahoy hoy. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> oh, why do you... Ahoy, you, oh, going off fucking script. I know, oh, oh so I'm supposed to be professional. There's no fucking... There's, there's no room for... What's the, what's the word of an actor's golf script? What's that word? Uh, rogue. <laughs> no, it's not... Yeah, rogue, but... Improvising. Improv. yeah. Improv. We don't need fucking improv on this podcast, mate. One, one job is to say hello. All right, that's it.
1: I've been improvising since day one. <laughs> anyway. You think I've actually been reading any of these studies, any of these papers? <laughs> I've just been making it up as I go along.
0: <laughs> yeah, you actually fucking work in the local Tesco. You've got no idea about health and fitness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just, stole, you just stole a gym top.
1: <laughs> if I push trolleys all day long, then, you know, that's, that's fitness
0: related. That's getting my steps in. Fitness news. This week, we take a closer look at toxic TikTok diet culture. Staying motivated in the gym, we've got top tips from three pure gym personal trainers. We've also got a brand new paper on this as well. We're also going to look at do you need to train to failure in the gym to get the best gains? Once again, we've got a brand new paper. And is counting your reps overrated? Well, according to a top trainer, it certainly is. Let's get into this week's fitness news. I don't even know what the theme tune is. How does the theme tune go? I don't know.
1: Uh sake sake. Right.
0: Yeah, it, got it, in, in the dead ground cup Christ. Right.
1: Are you doing your podcast on top of a piano or something? That's the second time I've heard that noise. <laughs> a piano? Would you be on top? Yeah,
0: would you be on top of a
1: piano? To D- do it again, pick your thumb up and plop it down.
0: Yeah, that, that is a very acoustic desk. <laughs> does it sound like a piano? Yeah, it does. Okay, guys, we will go on to the first piece of news this week: toxic TikTok diet culture. Now, if you've not heard of TikTok, I'd be very surprised. Basically. It's a short-form video sharing app um, with the core audience, which is important to note, being 25 and under. And (laughs) paedophiles. I I can't really confirm with that that, so we'll move on. (laughs) We have got a paper for that. Uh, But basically, TikTok suffers the same problems as most social media, as a lot of you out there know, in that information can spread like fucking wildfire, regardless if it is good or bad data. But what we've got here then, Tom... We found an article we found some studies some researchers have gone into this and they've actually looked at a thousand tiktok videos and under the 10 most popular health fitness and nutrition hashtags They chose the 100 most watched in each hashtag. What they did, basically, they went through all this analysis, went through it all to kind of come to some conclusions about the state of health and fitness being shared on TikTok. Uh, We're going to dive into our thoughts on this because there is a lot of, I suppose, personal thoughts, I'd say, that you Mm. can have on this topic. Um, But what I'll do is I'll give you some key points to take away from this article and the study itself. So the majority of the content was by females of high school slash college age groups there was a glorification of weight loss and something they spoke about was the hashtag what I eat in a day. They believed at the start of the study that this may be a weight neutral uh, and portray a variety of eating styles and meal preparations that are quite weight normative with users showing how they meal prepped for a certain diet or what they ate in a day to lose weight. What they actually found was, was, and I quote again, in fact, the what I eat in a day hashtag has become so weight normative and triggering that videos now using it carry a trigger warning for eating disorders, including a link to the National Eating Disorder Association helpline because so many people are using the hashtag to show how little they eat in a day, which is uh, quite concerning. Mm. Following on, there's a reoccurring suggestion that if you two try hard enough, you can also lose weight, like the people in the videos. They also mentioned several sounds were found to occur frequently as part of the weight loss trends and include a language that possesses weight loss as paramount. So dialogue sounding like a pep talk from a coach or a trainer containing phrases such as no excuses, get up, and if you want it bad enough, (laughs) you'll do it. Um, Basically that implies that deciding not to pursue weight loss or being able to lose weight is a personal motivation failure. And I've seen some of these before. If you see my one of my recent videos on my YouTube channel, the Train Prime one, I actually found a video just like this where some guys shouted at me, telling me that I wasn't working hard enough. It was very uh, intimidating. <laughs> um, moving on to some more key points from this study and article. Although some may argue that viewing weight transformation videos is motivating, Jabelli et al. found that adolescents in the larger bodies reported that viewing successful weight loss videos felt unmotivating and discouraging when weight loss was portrayed as very easy as is often on social media. Among food content was instructional videos of users showing how to make healthy versions of junk foods, assigning good or bad labels to food brings emotion and morality to eating. This is something me and Thomas spoke about quite a few times in the past. These emotions are internalised as we eat and eating the food deemed bad by diet culture's standards may lead to negative perceptions of self after consumption. Moralising food can cause hyper-awareness about food choices and foster beliefs that certain food should be avoided because they will cause weight gain or poor health. And this can lead to development of eating disorders such as orthoxia nervosa, an eating disorder defined as the obsession with correct eating and a fixation on food's role in our physical health. A couple more points here, guys. We're going to break it down. Of all the videos coded under the hashtag nutrition, 47% provided some sort of nutrition advice. However, only 1.4% of this content was made by a registered dietitian. Um, and then even we know just because they are a registered dietitian doesn't mean that their content is necessarily legit. It could still be fucking shit. But the fact that it was only 1.4% is worrying. Um, they then go on to say health professionals should recognise that their young adult clients may be gathering nutrition information on TikTok and that much of it is not evidence-based. Fucking hell, wow, we Jesus Christ. Right. Ricky Try heaven. fitting that into a TikTok video. Well, I think you're going to get 60 seconds in it. <laughs> no, no, TikTok, you can have fucking loads now. You can have like 10 minutes. Really? Jesus. I ain't got time for that. Either way, the point is, that is fucking carnage, isn't it? There's yeah. a lot to unpack there. Um, and what we'll do is we'll go through some of the stuff. So I think the first thing we want to speak about really is the the lack of professionals on there because I think that's a big point that we see a lot on Instagram where you and me normally are on social media, is that yeah. unfortunately it's, there tends to be misinformation given by people who are not experts or people who are not what's the word, educated correctly in certain fields of nutrition tends to fly really well because it's normally it's normally made in a way that's like super polished or very entertaining or very eye-catching. People watch it, the algorithm gets excited and the algorithm starts spitting it out to all these other people. The problem is, is then this misinformation is getting fired out. The right information is then getting sent out but because it's not as fucking wild, it's not as fucking wacky not as many people are seeing it. I mean,
1: social media is like a hellscape when it comes mm. to misinformation in the first place. But for whatever reason, TikTok seems to be that, but ramped on steroids, like it yeah. is like the worst of the worst. Um, yeah, I have no idea why it actually is, but um, for the limited amount of time I spent on TikTok, it was enough for me to say, yeah, look, this this isn't for me, this app. It's just mm. awful. I mean, I, th- I thought Instagram was bad, you know, but TikTok is... Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's algorithm is like the Skynet of misinformation. Mm. It's funny that it's funny that you said about like uh, how papers kind of went into like nutrition in particular, because it wasn't that long ago. Like I've had an article myself uh, way before we decided to actually do this particular episode where they was talking about the Mediterranean diet, mm. and uh, it might even possibly be what you kind of alluded to here. But it turns out like the vast majority of like information given in the hashtag for Mediterranean diet wasn't even properly explaining what the mediterranean diet was or it was actually mislabeling what the diet actually contained within it.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that yeah, TikTok is a hellscape for misinformation. I think the problem is as well is that inherently social media is a short attention span form of content. Yeah, there's no room for nuanced discussion. No, no, you've got context. Firstly, you've got a few seconds to grab someone's attention, yeah. So you've got to do something pretty fucking wild, pretty wacky to get their attention in the first place. Once you've then got that attention, you've then got, what, 60 seconds? I think the, uh, don't quote me on this, but there's like a thing saying that people's attention lasts about seven seconds before you need, something needs to change, either visually, you know, audio, whatever, like something needs to change somehow in that seven set after seven seconds to keep their attention, otherwise people are more likely to just switch off and zone out. So in social media, you've got, a seven-second window, you've then got, obviously, about 60 seconds plus. I think Instagram's now 90 seconds in terms of the length for real. TikTok's a bit longer, I think, mm-hmm. now. But you haven't got long, basically, is what I'm saying. So the people on TikTok have got to find ways to keep your attention. And yeah. unfortunately... There's no – people don't like context. People don't like you and say it depends or it depends on this context. They want this is bad food, this is healthy food, this is good food. Turn this junk food into a healthy option. They're they're talking like saying, no excuses, get up. If you want to fucking lose weight, you'll lose weight. They're just going for these simple one-dimensional approaches because people are more likely to stick with that content because it's it's, it's more engaging. But unfortunately, it's building um, a society of people who are building very bad habits to get a very – misinformed idea of how health and fitness actually works.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm not going to go and say like all of it is bad. I mean there are some, some gems good, in yeah. the rough. I mean uh I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name but there's Aaron The um mm. I probably I've definitely mispronounced that. <laughs> he's the chiropractor guy. Yeah, uh same, yeah. he's pretty good on TikTok. So he's very good at actually condensing a big chunk of information, simplifying it and making it digestible in like yeah, 60 seconds. There's also there's that doctor as well actually from the UK. Uh, there's actually a uh, Doctor Ids.
0: Yeah, he's class. And what I like brilliant.
1: about him actually is he actually he actually makes videos of people responding to him. Yeah, yeah. On TikTok, actually, which kind of backs up our point about how misinformed people on TikTok are. Some of the people like uh, trying to call him out, and then completely misrepresenting the evidence and clearly showing their biases is yeah, mm. it's
0: absolutely astounding. Makes me laugh, mate, because. I'm not trying to appeal to an authority, but he's a fucking doctor and he's obviously very clued up on the topics. And these people are like just little fucking low-level nutritionists, if that, and they're trying to come at him because they've read some...
1: Not even nutritionists
0: yeah, in some... Yeah, so, yeah. They've read like an article on it or they've listened to a podcast. One of them was
1: just some random ped head
0: like. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell, mate. Like, I actually had my... um. On my, one of my videos, I did a video where I've obviously reacted to some TikTok stuff, and he was one of the ones I reacted to, and it was funny because on his one, he basically started the video by saying, oh, if you drink this fucking tea infused with lemon, you'll cure cancer or some bollocks of that. And then he basically finished by saying, if you believe anything I've just said, follow me for more actual, actual ah, information.
1: See, that's smart, because that's using clickbait to yeah, your clickbait, advantage. Yeah, to
0: advantage, yeah. yeah. Like, he knew people like, like, what, what? I can have lemon infused tea and I can beat cancer, what? And then he basically shoots them down and goes, Yeah. Don't fucking listen to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: no. unless unless someone has only listened to the first ten seconds oh, yeah. and gone, I've heard everything I need to hear. Here. You can imagine got- skip the rest of the video. <laughs> you can imagine yeah. pausing
0: it and going, "Mom, mom." <laughs> Yeah. get the fucking Mom, lemons get out. Get the tea. Get the, get <laughs> the, the tea. tea, Dad. You get the tea, Mum. You get the fucking lemons. We're gonna cure cancer. Yeah.
1: They've, they've not given us any instructions, though. So you, uh, just get the enema kit in case.
0: <laughs> yeah, just start fucking rifling <laughs> fucking lemons up your dad's arsehole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, over what the an bed. evening! <laughs> what an evening! Yeah, fucking hell. Use a tea for lube. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: that sounds like my mate Sam's evening with his dad. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> We're gonna have to cut out and send that to him. <laughs> People won't get that reference. That's an, this is an ongoing joke. Um
1: like- <laughs> Listen, what people do with their families is their business. if it is considered legal. I hope so listen to this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, anyway, right. Find him on LinkedIn. Moving back onto something. Po- <laughs> what do you reckon you'll find your dad under? Adult performer. <laughs> 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 oh god, Sam. Um, I really hope you listen to this podcast.
1: He won't, that's why I'm saying it. <laughs> we we'll give out his address in the show notes.
0: <laughs> Mate, when we get to the point we're fucking massive, it's going to get to the point where people are actually going to find this guy on LinkedIn. They're going to find me on LinkedIn, then they're going to find him on LinkedIn. <laughs> and they're going to be like this poor bloke. Right. <laughs> oh, my mouth hurts right, again. Moving swiftly sake. on. Right. Anyway, oh. back to TikTok. A couple of other points I want to focus on this uh, article, Tom, is that the use of language a little bit, okay? So they said there was a lot of sounds on the videos that were quite frequently occurring in the fact of like super motivational stuff. Yeah, like no excuses, get up. David Goggins,
1: uh, the Jordan Peterson voiceover. There's two wolves inside of you. All right, simmer down.
0: I get it. Like some people do respond well to this, but then obviously there was some data that looked at adolescents and it found that large bodies reported viewing these successful weight loss videos is actually discouraging because a lot of it, as we said, shows it really easy. If you see like a, for example... A 60 second transformation video where they'll show them what they used to look like and what they are now. There's no nuance there, there's no context, there's no sort of showing you their journey really. They've not shown you how they've challenged it, their current situation, what barriers they've had to face, because you're gonna face very yeah. different barriers. So when you see something like, oh, how have they done it so easy? Like, oh my god, you've just seen a six second video. It can be quite discouraging. Yeah. And I think the people who make this content don't realise that that you might think you're being motivational by saying, Oh, if you want it, you know, you'll get it blah 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 this is me yeah. I did it in six months I'm a fucking trooper but you might be talking to someone who lives a very different life to you and has a lot of different barriers and for them they might just be like oh this is hopeless
1: that edited 60 second clip with the Adolf Hitler speech shoe hauled into it just doesn't hit anymore
0: Just <laughs> doesn't well, do I've, the job why have you brought the Germans back in again why do we keep bringing up the Germans <laughs> not <a> German <laughs> what Adolf yeah what do you mean he's not a German he's not German he's Austrian Oh, here we go. Don't get all fucking... Oh, here we go. Uh, you trying to be all fucking It's true, ain't it? Oh, it's true, ain't it? Fucking here we go. It's
1: true, you know. So yeah, we'll throw the Austrians under the bus for this one. Oh,
0: fuck yeah, we'll get those. In. I don't think we've got any listeners in Austria. So I think we're safe.
1: I mean, if we start doing our own TikToks of motivational videos with a certain Austrian superimposed over it, you know... <laughs>
0: podcast <laughs> intro. Just a podcast we'll see what happens. There you go. Every single time. But anyway... Um, One other little point I want to touch on as well is um, there's a lot of instructional videos, which is normal for any sort of short-form content, people making foods or showing you what they eat in a day and all this stuff, but their people are not aware of their language because a lot of these videos will assign good or bad labels to food or... They'll show you, you know, as I said, this in this example in the study there that like they'll get something that's deemed as a junk food or a bad food, and they'll turn it into what's considered a healthy food or a good food. Um, mm. And you might think to yourself, oh, yeah. "Oh, that's normal." You might think, "Oh, that's fine." What's wrong with that? They're showing me how to make a healthy version of a burger. But as it says here, and as we've spoke about numerous times, language is so important. And what you're doing there is you're moralizing food, and you're giving false percep- uh, perceptions of it. Okay, so what that means is that when someone eats this food, they have then got this perception of. What the hell they should be feeling? Because if you do something that's bad, you feel bad. If you do something that's good, you feel good. So if you if if you if you've been told on TikTok that this food is bad and you then go and eat it, the chances are you're going to feel bad, mm. and this is going to put you down a very slippery path, and it's quite dangerous. And as we said there, it goes into things like eating disorders, which is obviously well out of, well well out of our remit, um, but it's obviously concerning that there's a lot of content out there which is potentially pushing it this way. Even on early one of the earlier points is actually one fucking hashtag has got its own warning with it when you actually watch videos with that hashtag it's got a warning for eating disorders which
1: I mean you brought me back there when you said about the uh, you know oh there's a healthy alternative to our favourite foods it, 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 that, brought, that brought me back to like the early 2010s when like social media was rife with things like yeah you can make a did you know you can make a pizza base out of cauliflower? Oh, it's fucking just like up. Really grim stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose like... it sounds appealing to you as a vegan, but yeah, what cauliflower rice? and that? For me, as a human, god, you been, what oh, you been of using cauliflower you... rice. Oh, mate, no. Making a pop tart out of a I don't know a sponge.
0: <laughs> <laughs> out of a sponge? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> no.
0: Oh dear. There's a couple more things I want to touch on, but it's one thing I want to sort of finalise on these points here. Obviously, you won't go through them all again because that was a fucking, was like Abe's Obst- Odyssey, whatever the fuck, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's a game, it actually, that's a Pierce PlayStation game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. I was about to say. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why I, I said that. I think I meant Homer's Odyssey. Homer's yeah. Odyssey, not Abe's Odyssey. It's a fucking <laughs> play. Abe's games. Odyssey.
1: <laughs> very, very obscure, uh, yeah, pop culture
0: reference. Thing. Yeah, very, yeah. I love, oh, what a game. What a game. Anyway, um, all I will say is information on TikTok, take all of it, even we've mentioned a couple of people who are quite good anything you see on there always ask why and always search the answers yourself as well like never just take any of this verbatim you have to remember they are there to get your attention these TikTokers okay a lot of them they just want to grab your attention in seconds they, a lot of them will do it anyway they've all got invested interest they will do it in any way possible so just be mindful of that and be careful not to take all of it verbatim alright mm. what are you smiling about?
1: no sorry I'm just preparing myself for the next uh, topic oh god, oh, god yeah, you,
0: you'll find out right, okay anyway um Further to this, this article was actually on the Daily Mail, guys. Um, and fucking hell, if you know the Daily Mail, Whew. the comment section is golden. So a lot of it was basically saying, oh, you know, at least they're promoting, promoting health. Everyone's fat these days. You know, it's good that people are out there, TikToks are out there telling people to lose weight, etc. But fucking hell, one of the top ones, Tom, listen to this. I'll quote it now. I just started the carnivore diet a month ago. I've never in my life felt better physically. I've lost 20 pounds of fat and I've gained three pounds of muscle. You need to find what's right for your body. I don't know capitals it really, mm-hmm. they really have everybody is different i know my body doesn't tolerate <laughs> sorry i can't say I know, I know, it's, i'm just laughing it's ridiculous i know my body doesn't tolerate carbs well so i decided to completely cut them out and it worked but it might not be for someone else just experiment around with different food groups and see what fits you best don't listen to someone else with a <laughs> with a different genetic makeup and body type tell you what to eat Oh, it's all so tiresome, isn't it? It is also tiresome. These are the sort of yeah. stuff you see in the comments of these things that I just don't even know what to say at this point. I've just
1: I've got to the point now where I just go, cool, you you do you. Yeah, you do. Nice. You. Yeah, if you wanna enjoy yourself.
0: If you want to be on a carnivore diet, even though all the evidence points against it Yeah. You do you. It's I,
1: got to the point where like people like this, like just, it's a waste of effort trying to like combat I mean, or help them just. It's depressing, isn't it? It is depressing because it's not just a one-off comment anymore. It's got a whole bunch of other people that have looked at this and have, have taken the actual steps to go, do you know what? I agree with this so much, I'm actually going to give it a digital like.
0: As I've said here in the notes, social media equals misinformation thrives while evidence-based dies. Oh, very nice. And that, that, is, that pretty much sums up, I mean, obviously there are cases where you know things do well, but if you look at social media now and you look at some of the big, you know, some of the best content producers in terms of evidence-based stuff and like really good information, their followings, their platforms are much, much smaller than someone spreading bollocks. For example, we can look at someone like Functional Memeology. You know Functional Memeology? Whatever his name is. I is that his name? Yeah. But it's not his real name. That's, no, obviously. That's, that's, we've had him on the yeah, podcast. Him, him, cool. Yeah, Alexis, we've had him on the podcast. Um, yeah. But his content, brilliant. Constantly combating stuff, really funny, really good, great stuff. He's not got, his following massive, but it's not like huge compared to someone like the Liver King, he has got fucking shit loads of followers. Most of the stuff he says is complete and utter bollocks, and he's constantly fucking spinning shit. However, his but this is, is a massive. part of
1: the problem as well is that people that follow him don't necessarily actually believe what he's saying. They just, it's like watching a car crash. I just want to see what he does next.
0: Yeah, but this is the problem though, because they're feeding the algorithm. They're feeding the algorithm, which has made more people are pushing towards, and there's going to be a yeah. margin of people who look at that and take it as gospel.
1: By now, I think the vast majority of us, hopefully, please God, understands that a follow count doesn't dictate the worth of someone's message. Mm. You know, just because someone has so many followers doesn't give them authority. However, that's wishful thinking. Because it, it does, <laughs> it, it, does directly, with it gives
0: them it gives them gives them
1: authority. Yeah. Because one, it gives them authority. But even if, even if it doesn't automatically give them authority, it gives them a bigger platform for things to be shared. And then you're just dealing with like a big tidal wave of bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's hard to hold it back because so many people. It, it, the, the algorithm changes. Yeah. The, the the amount of shares, the amount of likes, it's constantly feeding the algorithm, which then means that it gets publicized more.
0: And the problem is as well is that these big followings they tend to build quite toxic fan bases, sort of like, oh god, yeah, like extremely powerful, really vocal fan bases. Which means that if you do go in and try and combat some of the misinformation, or you maybe leave a comment or something, I mean, me and Tom don't do this anymore because it's fucking futile. You know, it's futile. But um, you'll notice if someone puts a little comment in there, they just get absolutely bombarded with the toxicity of the fan base. Oh, yeah, it's
1: absolute vitriol. Yes, yeah, it's,
0: it's carnage. So it's just you get to a point where you just can't wait. Like, it's, it's the, whole, the old adage, isn't it? Numbers, like numbers. You know, it's a numbers game, isn't it? If you've got fucking yeah. more numbers behind you, the chances are you're going to be victorious.
1: You you basically get a personal army. And some of these influencers know very well what they're doing when they dox people. Yeah. Or when they, they don't quite tell you to go and uh, attack someone. Mm. However, it's very heavily implied that, you know, you know, go give them a piece of my mind on my behalf. You know, you look at the gold standards in today's social media based PT world where where call out culture is rampant. And it's like, okay, I understand you need to call out bullshit, create discussion, create debate. But when you're just doing things out of complete bad faith mm. and you're just creating, it's exactly that bad faith. Mm. And you're sending people to go and attack these others, you know, even if they are for the shit, okay. I, it's, at this point, I'd rather just ignore it.
0: Yeah, I think... And right. just put out my own information instead. I think that's the key, isn't it? I've tried to do this myself, actually just focus on putting out what I think is the right thing to do, the right content, and just ignoring yeah. anything else. Even if I even if I see someone that's like, that's so wrong. Or if someone even... Even when people say stuff to me now, Tom, like in person, if I hear someone say something, which I think is a bit bollocks, I just haven't really got the... Like there's just no need. I just can't be bothered to have this dialogue with them. I work in a
1: gym where one trainer believes you shouldn't let your knees go over your toes when squatting. Mm. Another one believes in fucking lemon juice burns fat. Mm. You know, uh, st- I'd I'd be there all day arguing. Yeah, that's
0: I haven't got the energy. Fucked. I haven't got the energy and the time. I'd, I'd to just with focus
1: this. on my clients and anyone else that decides to come up and ask for my help. We do
0: this podcast, don't we? we share the information on the podcast. If people listen to it, they can. If they don't, they don't end of discussion yeah exactly really take it or leave it yeah exactly that exactly that
1: <laughs> at the end of the day the more you try and debate some of these people it doesn't become a debate mm. it just becomes a defensive mechanism where they feel like you're attacking them personally yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which exactly. to be fair some of these as I said social media people do actually do Yeah. they take it to a personal level so then straight away there's no good faith in the argument being had and uh, yeah it just becomes a personal mudslinging battle from there yeah.
0: We'll move on to the next piece of news, guys. So staying motivated in the gym. Now, we all know exercise offers plenty of benefits. However, getting the motivation to do said exercise is often not that easy. So, what we got? The Independent, which is a, a newspaper in the UK here, they asked three pure gym PTs for their valued advice. Okay. That was your first mistake. <laughs> that was a first mistake. <laughs> However, it did lead this actually led to some really good sort of research because after their first one, so all three of them basically said that goal setting and reminding yourself of said goals, noting a mixture of short and long term for a quick bars and the bigger buzz down the line um, is good. Okay. Um, what this actually led me down was actually going to actually go find a brand new paper on this, which then led me down this whole rabbit hole of creating goals and goal hierarchies, which we're gonna go into because that's really interesting. Basically, we'll go back to the thing that they initially said. They initially said, you should make goals. Okay, great. One of them went on to add, good idea is to make a plan for the week ahead. So something visually you can see to keep you accountable. Okay, great. And then this last point, put inspirational quotes somewhere like your mirror to look at every day. This alone, oh
1: yeah, David Goggins, here we go. This, this alone can
0: give you that little person. Adolf Hitler, here we go. It's <laughs> a picture of Adolf. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just, just a picture of that. I'll be like, oh, do it for the Fuhrer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do it for the Fuhrer. Or, or, you, or, you or you could be a communist. You, do you, reckon, know? you, you, do you could reckon have a style the day? day? Do you reckon that was it? Instead of obviously we say do it for the gram, do you reckon they either say do it for the Fuhrer? I, I mean, there
1: surely were people saying, I'm going to do this for the Fuhrer. Oh. Whether it was in like a gym based environment, I don't know. I'm scared to Google it, to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think we need to move on before we make too many jokes. Right, anyway. Um, Basically, yeah. I mean, that made me laugh a bit, the inspirational quotes thing. Uh, Fucking hell, yeah. Might work for some people. Fuck knows. Anyway, we'll go on to some actual data and some actual real good advice. Now, this stuff might sound a bit mental, um, but as I do say, I think I'm going to say later on, I'll, I'll say it now as well. There is going to be a video snippet of this section about goals because there's a lot of stuff you can take away from this. David Stuff you can, stuff you can apply. Good. <laughs> Good. No. It's not going to be David Goggins. Just me giving you a motivational speech for the next 20 minutes. Basically, jokes aside, we've got a 2022 paper on this. The performance and psychological effects of goal setting in sport, a systematic review and meta analysis. So the key points before we go into the detail on this is not just as simple as setting out a smart goal, which is something that's um, <laughs> very common. In you know, not even the PT world, but just in general, smart. So
1: goals. you know when you said about the f- uh, the free pure gym PTs, they pretty much all said about goal setting, short term, yeah, yeah. long term. Yeah, you could tell that they've just memorised their level three PT because like smart
0: goals. Yeah, Ooh. smart goals. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't fucking actually mention that in the article. They didn't just bang out what smart was. Yeah, because that literally is that is actually part of your PT level three if you're not aware. Yeah. So basically, this review suggests that setting a variety of short and long term, which fair enough, the PTs did mention, that are process orientated approach-orientated and uh, self-referenced is conducive Mm. to optimising performance and psychological outcomes. A thoughtfully constructed, interconnected goal hierarchy involving superordinate, intermediate and subordinate goals can be a valuable tool for goal organisation optimization. So broadly speaking, guys, goals do work. Um, That is basically a takeaway from this paper, which I think most people would accept. Goals are useful. They do work. Um, However, when we look at the details of this paper, a few things you want to take away here. Um I was going to say get your notepads and pens out, but fully where most people drive and they listen to podcasts. So please don't do that on the M25. There's enough disturbances, as it is, from people banging on about oil.
1: What you can do instead is just turn your dash cam around to face you and talk your notes into it.
0: <laughs> talk, I, mean, I don't think you have to do that. I, mean, <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure the microphone is omnidirectional, Tom. I think you could just speak. I don't think you've got to like turn it around to face you. I think you could just No do hand signs then. I don't know. <laughs> just talk. I think it'll work. Um, anyway, key points of this paper. Process goals appeared to outperform all other goal types. So that's compared to performance, outcome, mastery, Mm. and ego. And this was in terms of sport, task, performance outcomes. So obviously that's that specific. You can't take it in uh, all contexts. Short-term goals outperformed long-term goals, while a combination of short-term and long-term goals led to a similar but slightly larger effect size than short-term goals alone. Mm. Okay, so a combination basically was most effective. Positive effects were observed for both specific and non-specific goals although the effect size for non-specific goal was bigger. Goal setting led to a relatively larger effect size for novices so those who are inexperienced compared to those who are more experienced. Um, There are of course contexts we'd love to explore so don't take all of that for gospel. For example one I've got down here was what would be the outcome of a novice doing a long-term goal versus an experienced subject doing a short-term goal. Would it even itself out? Would it be okay? Or would it be, you know, more effective, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of content we going to into, which we haven't already got. What it highlights though, is the importance of goals and getting results, which then can lead to greater motivation. Okay, that's obviously the whole point of this article was about increasing motivation to go to the gym. Um, now, you notice there was a combination of things that could work there. So what we've got to do is we've got to try and navigate this fucking mental combination and be like, okay, what could we do to make all of this work? And this is what leads to a goal hierarchy. So Tom, everyone listening, buckle the fuck in. We're about to get fucking biblical when it comes to setting goals. Okay. Whew. Take a breath in. Okay, guys. Hope you're ready. Hope you've either turned your dash cams around or you've got a pen and paper to It's going to be a smart goal, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just going to give people a smart goal. I'm going to gloss it in a goal hierarchy. It was actually a smart Right, okay. So... <laughs> Right, okay. So, in life, guys, we've normally got loads of goals, haven't we? We've got professional goals, we've got romantic goals, we've got physical goals, we've got mental goals. However, what is often taught to us in a corporate setting, in a gym setting, in a personal setting, is smart, okay? So, Tom, what is smart? Give us a, give us a recap.
1: Oh, God, what is it? It's
0: specific? Yeah. Um.
1: Oh, fucking hell, I can't remember off the top of my head. Right, let me, me- Google this, so and you can make it look like I remembered straight away. Smart goals.
0: You actually Google it?
1: Mate, I'm going to do you dirty So yeah, here we go. Specific measure. I'm not saying smart goals are necessarily bad. It's just that it always seems to be the the go-to thing when actually
0: I don't think it should be made the default thing. Tom, it's good. It's Uh, good if you've got one individual goal. But as I said, in life, we normally have loads of goals. So if we just focus on one, when something else happens, we've not accepted that.
1: You imagine little old Susie... Yeah. Or Pete comes into the gym mm-hmm. and they're like, I've never been to the gym before. I just want to know to remember, and suddenly you're going, right, <laughs> in what time frame can we realistically do this within? Is it achievable? Is it is it relevant to what you need to do? It's like, fuck here now. Is it time-bound? Chill out. Pipe yeah. down. <laughs> so yeah, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time. So, you know, smart goals basically, yes, yeah, specific. What, what do you specifically want, Pete? Mm. Tell me, Peter. And they've just said you just want to come to the gym, Peter, but you've got to give me a fucking specific goal, Pete. Yeah. What do you want to do? Do you want to Pete? squat? Do you want to deadlift? Tell me, Pete. Tell me. Be specific, Pete.
0: I cannot operate as a level three PT.
1: <laughs> do you want to be able to operate a forklift, Pete? I need to be specific here. <laughs> forklift? <laughs> what if, just- I don't know. yeah. we specific. Yeah. We're trying to be specific here, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. i do a smart right. goal here. Stop taking the piss out of Pete <laughs> and his forklift goals. I don't even know if he wants to drive a forklift, but I'm trying to be specific here. Measurable. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah how can we kind of measure your goal uh is it actually realistically achievable um is it relevant to well your goal in general and then yeah like time it could be a time frame you can kind of break them down into like mini smart goals long-term smart goals as well but that's that's basically a smart goal it's basically just breaking down what you want to do why you want to kind of do it is it actually relevant to what you need to do and yeah, like can it realistically be achieving the time available hmm. or what you've given
0: forget all that shit because I'm going to give you fucking gold standard and setting goals guys okay so a better approach that will take into account everything you've got going on in your life not just the gym because yeah smart will work if you let's say you want to do squat whatever yeah you could apply a smart goal but this is going to account for your entire life okay so an approach would be a goal hierarchy so it involves a superordinate an intermediate and a subordinate goal. So stay up, guys. We'll go for an example. I've got one here. So as described by Hockley et al. Or Hockley. How do you pronounce that, Tom? It looks German. hocka locker docka lock I don't know. hocka locka Yep, Yeah, that, that's the one. Yeah. Right, so that guy et al. Um, he said a goal hierarchy is essentially a web of multiple goals with three different levels. So I'm going to go for an example here, guys. Superordinate is big picture stuff so in the example as proposed by big h et al as we call him um, there's a little graph here i've got obviously you be able to see this but i can um, a superordinate goal at the very top of that would be something like ideal self so by ideal self what that means is what do you want to be who do you want to be in terms of all those things like you know romantically professionally physically mentally below that as well they've put be healthy Of course, you want to be healthy in all these areas in life. Most people, if you've got a positive outlook on life, you want to be healthy in terms of your romance, your work, your um, gym, whatever, all that stuff. So that'll be your superordinate goals. That's a big picture of where you want to be. We're then going to go down this little fucking diagram of the goal hierarchy to intermediate goals. And these are going to be things that will allow you to be healthy. And what they've got on this chart here is be in good physical shape, get enough sleep, avoid stress, eat a healthy diet. Now, obviously at this point, it's quite vague. That doesn't really offer you much in terms of what to do to get there, but it gives you an idea. You've got things to tackle that you know will help you support your overall superordinate goal of being a healthy being healthy, and being your ideal self. If we then go down to subordinate goals, this is where we get a little bit more specific and we start tackling these individual intermediate goals. So in the example they've given here, they've gone underneath being good physical shape on intermediate. Their subordinate goals for that would be exercise once a week, do 40 push-ups Wednesday afternoon, go to yoga Thursday at 4pm. So they will now support being in good physical shape. Then obviously they go along, do the same, for get enough sleep, avoid stress, eat a healthy diet. However, the key for this is there's going to be a bit of crossover. Okay, they're all connected because if you think about it now, you might have already clocked on, by exercising once a week, that's not only going to help you get in good physical shape, but we know exercise, daily exercise can help with sleep, sleep quality. It can help you with stress, And it can help with your things like your um, hunger. Sorry, hunger. It can affect those hormones. So by tackling exercise once a week, he thinks he's tackling the intermediate goal, but actually he's attacking all of them because they're connected. Because you've got this goal hierarchy laid out, you can actually see where they start to connect. You can see where the things are crossing over. And you can see even if things are sort of getting each other's way. Mm. So hopefully that's all making sense. Basically, we can see the goal more clearly. We can see what we're tackling, how we're tackling it, how they're connecting, and how they're getting apart. So that all make sense, Tom. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever used goal hierarchy before?
1: Um, not particularly. What people need to understand is like different people require different approaches. Mm-hmm, sure. So, you know, even though I just spent ages like just taking the piss out of the, you know, smart goals. For someone, a smart goal might work, mm-hmm. you know. Then we might have like the, uh, I'm not going to kind of spoil. In fact, no, you're going to have to edit this out because I'm going to start spoiling the future of this uh, topic. So <laughs> I'm sort of starting to go going about approaching avoidance goals and stuff.
0: Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump in because Tom's about to fucking go rogue. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> actually, can I just quickly interject and just like go back to the smart goal thing because I feel
0: like I've ripped into it, but I've not really given my reasons as to why. I actually feel like you actually love smart goals. I actually feel like you're one of these PTs who love smart goals. Which is part of my smart goal. Right, hang on, Th- fern is I'm got, trying to fern, enjoy them. Have you got a fern on a smart goal? One of our listeners is called Fern. She's one of your clients. If you, is she on a currently on a smart goal, top? Actually,
1: no, we actually have a process driven goal. She just doesn't know oh. it yet.
0: Oh she doesn't know it. Oh I like that.
1: Yeah. Ah She's crafty see, mind faker. games.
0: Mind games, yeah. I know. Well she'll know now, won't she? She listens to the podcast on. Do
1: you want do you wanna hear the twist though? God. It's a process driven goal that is leading into an outcome goal. Oh, hello. I know. You sort It's climate. almost like the spoiler uh, the 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 end credit scene at a shit Marvel film. But um going back to smart goals, like smart goals are just way too narrow. And I don't think they take into account the ups and downs someone can have in regards to if they're you know, training isn't linear, success isn't linear, you know, weight loss isn't linear. So okay, what about if you don't make it within the time frame that your trainer has made you write down on a piece of paper? What what then? What if suddenly... And the thing is, like, your fitness goals don't have to be linear either. Your exercise modality might completely change. What if suddenly you've branched off from this person's program and they've gone on to something like CrossFit? It's no longer part of, well, this isn't relevant. How am I supposed to measure your your, your CrossFit compared to me tracking your bench press and your squat, etc.? I know I'm being super, super, like... definitive here and like what I'm actually like alluding to with these smart goals. But like, do you see what I mean? It's like, it doesn't really track the ups or downs. Yeah. So I've just spoken about like how, uh, on my social media recently, I've spoken about behavior change, the stages of changes, how you can relapse and you can come in and out of it. And it's actually to be expected with a smart goal straight away. So we know if you've been given a narrow path of, no, you need to be able to do this within this time frame. Well, doesn't take into account. What about when you're coming from a relapse? And the time frame might have to shift back and forth a little bit. Mm. It can be too hyper-specific as well.
0: Focus on that one thing. The paper did say that the positive effects were observed for both non-specific and specific, but the effect size was larger for non-specific, which makes sense because if you make things too specific, it's more stressful, isn't it?
1: Exactly that. So it might be that you might be fucking up on a particular... Let's say that the trainers somehow wiggle them into, oh, yeah, we want you to be able to do this amount of weight in this amount of time for this particular exercise, okay, what if they're not quite making that weight but they're making progress in other places? Mm-hmm. They're actually going to the gym more, they're actually enjoying the gym even if the weight isn't going up on the bar, etc. Once again, I know I'm being super like, uh, specific with what I'm talking about. Oh, it's part of the smart go actually, you know, but um, do you see what I mean? It could be too narrow of a focus mm-hmm. yeah, and too much of a focus on progress having
0: to be linear. And this is why this hierarchy system tends to be quite effective for those who take the time doing it because it isn't linear at all. It's fucking, if you look at the web of stuff, it can be quite chaotic in a way, but it's not because it's just allowing you to live life, how life's supposed to be lived in chaos essentially because there's loads of stuff going on.
1: But there are all different models you can kind of use to kind of motivate people or get them to reach a long-term goal, et cetera, or stick to a... Mm idea or a program you know I mean sports psychology like there's this whole thing about how you can use different approaches for certain people depending on what is going on in their current life yeah, or sure. what their actual goal is or where they currently are and how you can chop and change it as it goes along.
0: Maybe they need a hyper-focused approach because their mind's yeah. all over the place. They need something that's going to just keep them focused on one thing for the next six months as opposed to a hierarchy of carnage when their mind is already carnage. So, Like whether to, an so. athlete is in season
1: or out of season and that the, 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 the process can, can change mm-hmm. depending on the season. Like it's yeah. a complicated subject
0: but it's yeah. really cool to look into. If you are filling out a goal though, regardless if it's this hierarchy system or whatever other system we've been talking about, I think we all agree that you should focus on approach goals versus avoidance goals. Now, the easy example I can give you this would be nutritionally. So if I say, if one of my goals is, to, you know, I want to have a healthier diet, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. If I decide, okay, my approach, my approach goal would be I'm going to eat one more portion of fruit and veg every day this week. Okay, that'd be my approach goal. That'd be an approach goal. I'm trying to approach something to get me to healthy nutrition. An avoidance goal would be, I am going to stop eating carbohydrates every day this week. Or I'm going to cut out sugar for the next two weeks. That's an avoidance goal because you're avoiding things. This tends to be the least effective when it comes to goals. Because you're cutting things out and you're essentially creating the common thing of the big red button everyone knows about the big red button you want to push it so if you start trying to avoid things like sugar or carbs or whatever anything in nutrition or anything in life it becomes that big red button so naturally you're going to want to do it and it makes it very harder to maintain that goal Well, if you do an approach goal giving yourself something to do so to eat more fruit and veg I want to go for a walk every evening this week or something like that you're more likely to adhere to it and you're more likely to be successful and that's something we're finding, not only not I found anecdotally, but also from the data, that seems to be the most effective. And I think you'd probably agree, Tom, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Joe, you know what? There was actually a paper on this a uh, couple of years ago. It was actually do with New Year's resolutions. Yeah, okay. So with New Year's resolutions, like some out. people had like, a, yeah, exactly, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to stop smoking yeah. or I'm going to stop sticking my dick in a neighbor's car exhaust pipe, stuff like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And there was like approach things, so like, I'm going to start walking. Or I'm going to join the gym, or I'm going to start eating more fruit. Yeah, uh, all various things. So yeah, that's, those are good examples. Actually, yeah. So avoidance would be I'm going to stop doing a particular thing. Approach would be actually I'm going to start taking up a certain thing. And um, I mean it's quite a significant difference as well in success. Like uh, the first thing that surprised. By the way, this is me going for top of my head with the numbers. So if I do fudge them, then whatever. The funny thing is, I actually have this paper printed out on my desk somewhere, but it's in a big stack of other research papers. God, you're so fucking There's no way I'm going to be able to so find old, this mate. right now.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: But the thing that did surprise me the most was that actually, like, a, quite a significant amount of people actually stuck to their New Year's resolutions mm. after the new year for quite a significant amount of time. So I thought, actually, that's quite cool, actually, because usually you just assume where it's going to drop off in it? its New Year's resolution. Mm. But they did find, like, um, people that had, like, approach-based uh, goals – 10% more likely to stick with them, mm. to have more success with it. And the thing is, like, you can actually – let's take a look at weight loss as a goal, right? With weight loss, the first thing is, with most trainers, is the idea that well, we need to take away things from you. We need to take your calories away yeah, from cut you. Calories, yeah. We need to stop you from eating this. We need to stop you from doing this. We need to stop you from, you know, consuming, you know – Greg's, I don't know. It's more about avoidance, isn't it? You have to avoid this, you have to avoid that, avoid the snacks and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, yes, you need to enter a calorie deficit trademarked in order to drop weight. But actually, you can almost, I don't really want to use this word, it feels like I'm actually a magician pulling back the curtain here, revealing some tricks. You can actually trick people into eating less while actually giving them
0: mm, more volume in their food goals.
1: Yeah. So, so instead of me even saying, like, oh, I want you to avoid this, instead it could be like, right, I would like you to eat more of this food. Mm-hmm. Or oh, can you try um, eating some of this particular fruit or this veg? Or ah, what about if we start adding more meat into your diet? Mm-hmm. Or can we get you coming to the gym more often? Or can you try taking up swimming? Can you try taking up, you know, can we go for, can, can you try and do <clears throat> some walking throughout the day? Now, obviously, it's subjective to the individual, but you see, I mean, we're actually adding things rather than taking away. Now, what you might find is by adding certain things, so trying to actually add exercise, what that actually does is that actually helps, well, one, it's more energy expenditure, but also it can also help to regulate appetite by saying, oh, can we add more fruit and veg? Hey, how about at dinner time, if you actually bulk up your food a bit more with, uh, you know, <laughs> cauliflower rice? <laughs> no, not cauliflower rice. But, you know, can we bulk it? Can we put some mixed veg in whatever it is you're eating? Mm. You know, what we're actually doing is we're increasing the volume of their food, yep. their fibre intake, their water intake as well. So it actually, increase their satiety there as well. Increasing protein once again, hold on to more lean muscle mass, and also once again, kind of satiety effect. So do you see what I mean? We're actually trying to sneakily get them to <laughs> avoid things. By actually using an approach orientated goal, mm-hmm. so it's yeah. almost like a magic trick. Yeah, sneaky,
0: sneaky indeed. Like
1: a green beret, a green beret. You know, in okay. Vietnam. He who dares wins. Yeah, I ain't watched that yet. That's oh,
0: fantastic. Take- fantastic. Oh, not for. Oh, he dares. I'm, I'm thinking of SAS Road Heroes. That's brilliant. Have you seen that?
1: No, that's what I meant. I auditioned for it and they wouldn't have me in. You auditioned for it? As what? Yeah, as an actor, as an extra. An extra to do yeah. what? Well, I probably shouldn't have lied to them I told them I was on the balcony I
0: was on the balcony (laughs) I panicked and just said it (laughs) The Iranian siege (laughs) (laughs) Right Move on to the next piece of news Right anyway Okay Okay, guys we'll move on to the next piece of news now do you need to train to failure in the gym to get the best gains now we've got a brand new paper on this now i've actually done a video on this which will be releasing on the thursday of the week of this podcast release on the train Pump youtube channel uh, but we are going to go into it here on the podcast because it is quite an important one because there is often a, an assumption that's said by people uh, somebody see online as well is that training to failure will elicit the most gains in terms of muscle hypertrophy and people will sometimes say that if you're worried about not training hard enough or you're worried about not making gains just go to failure we've had papers on this before but this is another paper that's come out on this topic um, and as we know when data is replicated in some way that's actually a really good thing because if if, if data keeps varying it makes it very hard to draw a solid conclusion although we are still struggling to draw a conclusion on this there is still um, replication being said so Tom take it away mate what is this brand new paper Shown us in the world of going to failure.
1: Well, first, I think it's important to state that this was actually a meta-analysis. So this, yeah, big. You know, this this included various studies. It wasn't just one paper. Actually, it's probably start this by saying that, like, we've actually spoken about this before mm. about how you don't actually have to train to complete failure. um There has been evidence on this, but the evidence I've seen has mostly been in regards to the outcome of strength. So, you know, can you, can you make strength games, you know, without actually training to failure? Mm. But this was in particular with hypertrophy. Um, so this has been like a bit of a, yeah, back and forth discussion for a long time now. As you said, you know, we've got certain... Um, <laughs> bear me one second, mate. Have any? Really? Yeah, mate.
0: Doesn't want to go to bed. Because <laughs> you can have a quality podcast be made, that's why.
1: Fucking hell, microphone just went up my ass. <laughs> what? What? <clears throat>
0: Tom had to go and um, be a dad for a few minutes. Welcome back.
1: Right, well, I have
0: no idea where I was. We've seen people online say about going to failure. Yeah, so basically
1: um, a common argument here is that in order to progress, muscle, progress uh, muscle growth, hypertrophy, is you have to take your sets to failure. And yeah, this new paper sheds light on that, and actually shows that's not quite the case. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to go completely back to front here, and I'm just going to read the conclusion straight away. And that was that basically, actually, you don't have to go to complete failure, but it's probably a good idea to go close to failure. The problem with this uh, this wording is that what do we mean by failure? Mm. Because it's quite subjective. To some people, failure might be actual. Momentary failure, which is where you you're doing your exercise and you cannot complete a single rep, or you might find that actually you fail your very last rep. So that's what I mean by fail. You could not do one more. You couldn't finish the very last rep you was doing. Other people might be they finished their set, they actually managed to finish the last rep, but they go, actually I probably can't do any more. Mm-hmm. So that's actually you know pretty much okay. It's failure, but was it failure because they didn't actually go to you know not be able to complete an extra rep? And then there's yeah, moving towards failure, which is actually leaving a couple of reps left in the tank on purpose. And they did find that, like um, overall, there wasn't any major benefit to train to failure compared to not train to failure. So, yeah, going back to that about how like, uh, there's different definitions for failure, what I do like about its mate analysis is that they actually just took on three different forms of failure and just added the whole lot into the inclusion of the study. So yeah, they had people who did actually train to actual failure where they couldn't complete a single rep more to some people who yeah stopped a shy away from actual true failure. To some people that left a couple of reps in the tank. Um, thing I like about this study actually, is that it talks about velocity mm. and this is something that's been creeping up into uh, the literature a lot more. And that is basically the speed of the movement itself. And I think like, All of us can kind of relate to this that have like trained with weights where it's like we know when we're kind of reaching our threshold because the bar simply starts slowing down or any kind of movement. It it could be a machine, you know, it could be a lat pull down. But you know, we start off with the first couple of reps and it's all going at the same speed. And then when we think shit, this is getting quite tough, the movement starts to slow down, particularly like like, the concentric movement Mm. with a squat. When you start coming back up, it was like, okay, it was taking me like, two three seconds to get back up before now it feels like shit this is like take me five seconds to get out this squat here this is horrendous you know so that's what i mean by velocity loss the study does go on to show that like it's probably a good idea to train until you get like a moderate amount of velocity loss it's very hard for me to say explain what that is
0: yes and for some some people as well it's like it's not that extreme like It depends on the movement as well. Some movements, it'll be more obvious than others. Some movements, your velocity loss will be minimal because it'll just be a point of where the reps just don't tend to slow down and then you get to the point where you're fucked and then you just, you just stop. Um, yeah. Some, some movements will slow down massively. Um, so it's very difficult to sort of be I mean, um,
1: you can actually. I mean, these are quite popular now, but obviously apps. it's only people you have got money there. to throw away. But there's apps. There's actually a velocity tracker. You can actually attach mm. to a barbell as well. Yep. So uh, funny enough, I've actually seen someone that in their own personal programming. So you see how some people might have like an RPE cutoff Mm. where they're like, okay, I'm going to stop this uh, set that I'm doing when I hit a particular RPE. Actually, the person I saw was actually using like a velocity tracker to say, actually, I'm going to stop this set when it says on my phone, which I've got in front of me, that my velocity drops to a certain amount and that's when I'm going to stop the set, Mm. which I thought was actually quite... Yeah, that was kind of cool to implement that. But obviously, if you've got the money and the technology did, to do see, so. you
0: see actual numbers, though, Tom? It wasn't like – that sounds quite good, but I think most people wouldn't really wouldn't take no. advantage of that fully because on the paper it actually said they found that a 25% loss of velocity provided similar gains to a higher velocity loss. So yeah, it's like, well, if you're playing around with the small percentages there, for most people it's not really going to make a difference you're just going to be causing yourself undue stress of focusing on your speed of reps
1: so to put it simply to gain muscle when the bar starts to you you feel that actually yeah this is the speed has dropped a fair amount here then you're probably okay Mm. I mean there is a there's a nice little graph attached here where it shows that actually if you continue on to a high velocity loss which is where yeah you were grinding these reps out you're probably just going to accumulate unnecessary fatigue Mm mm-hmm which can then affect your future training sessions. You know, it can even lead on to injury because you're probably doing too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, load, like the practical applications in this paper, which, uh, yeah, I fully agree with you, is that it's not necessarily saying that you should never train to failure. There's still a time to train to failure. And this is the thing as well, is I think too many people get defensive when you say you don't have to train to failure. We're not saying you should never train to failure, it's just that you don't have to. No. I mean, um, training to failure can be a good way to kind of see your progress. If you're doing something like an AMRAP, I use AMRAP sometimes to mm. figure out, well, actually, is this person actually getting stronger? Well, if you, they can produce three more reps to actual failure compared to what they could have done a couple of months back, then, yeah, they've actually got stronger. Mm. And uh, it even goes on to say, like, look, there's no reason why you can't, if for the sake of hypertrophy, if you're training a little bit shy away from failure for your first couple of sets, and on your very last set, if you want to just bank it and say "fuck it," very last set, I'll go to mm. failure, then yep. that's probably okay as well. It does go and say as well, like certain exercises, like isolation and accessory exercises, uh, single joint movements. You know, yeah, you could probably take us to failure, which is what I've been kind of doing for the past couple of years anyway. Yes, most people <laughs> do, don't
0: they? Yeah, because you've got to think, like if you look at logically as well. If you take a bicep curl to failure, you're normally okay. But if you listen if you're listening now, you've ever done a deadlift before. If you take a deadlift to fucking failure at a heavy weight, it's a weight,
1: high toll on the central nervous yeah, system.
0: Exactly. There's something they talk about in this paper called uh neural fatigue, I think or something like that basically. Yeah. When you're fucked, yeah, when you're fucked, it's basically lameness <laughs> when you're fucked. So yeah. the problem we have with that is, is if let's say you're going to go into the gym and you're going to do five sets of deadlift at 80% until failure. The problem is you might be saying, Oh, I'm going to failure each time I'm gonna get the massive gains. The problem is you're probably not actually going to true failure on set three, four, and five, because after the two sets, you're so fucked with that neural fatigue that you're actually not you're not being limited by your ability to deadlift, you're being limited by your your actual fatigue levels. So you're actually yeah. so fucked overall is like your body's fucked that you can't actually lift anymore, even though really you should be able to do more reps if you were doing it more. If you if you went a little bit away from failure, you probably could have hit more reps out. There's a lot of context where going to failure could be you know, applicable but as Tom said probably looking at isolation exercises maybe if you're a high level athlete who's at a plateau maybe that's another opportunity to try and break through that ceiling mm. or as Tom said if it's the final set of your exercise or if your muscle group go to failure yeah. then because you've already banked all your other sets the key thing is it's not an either or like there's no yeah. it's not a definitive, you must go to failure or you must not go to failure, depending on this context. Yeah. It, it depends on you as an individual, where you are at your yeah. training stage and what you are actually doing. That's the yeah, key. Yeah, what the goal is. Yeah, what the goal is for sure, yeah. Time and place. I think the key takeaway really for that, guys, is to build muscle hypertrophy, train your muscles with sufficient volume. So we're looking at 10 to 20 sets per week, per muscle group. Yeah. Making sure you go close to failure on each set. We're looking at one to three reps yeah. in reserve. So you finish your set, or I could probably do one more rep, or I could do two or maybe three. If you could do more than that, probably you got more in a tank there. Or if you feel like you've fucked, you can't do any more, yeah. you've gone too much. Um, and then just make sure your recovery is on point. Okay, guys, this next piece of news is actually kind of linked to that last one. It's a little bit different, but there are some points that go crossover. And that is, is counting reps overrated? Now, it sounds mad, doesn't it? So this links our last study, and it's that men's health, which is a quite well-known fitness magazine uh, out there in the world. They looked at Jeff Cavalier's recent video. Also known as AthleanX. X. yep, that is commonly known. Stop counting your reps and start making them count. Fucking very Jeff, uh, Jeff, <laughs> very David Goggins-esque. Um, <laughs> now,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> there, to be fair, I don't want to attack him too much here, Jeff, because there's a few points which I think I can navigate and make good sense of. So we've had issues with Jeff in the past. He does release some fucking ridiculous content. However, one of the points he did make about this was there's no single magic number. He says what you really need to do is stop focusing on where you're going to end up and start focusing on two different things a broader range and also the journey to get there uh, where you're going to end up if you really want to see your most substantial gains. So he said look at it more as a weight class thing. So anything from one to seven reps counts as heavyweight, eight to 12 is moderate. 15 all the way up to 30 is for lightweight only, and then anything above that is very light. So you will probably be looking at like low-level resistance band sort of things. I'll be honest, he did waffle a lot in this video and chat ch- a lot of shit. Did you see the video, Tom? He did go on a little bit. He was saying don't count your reps. Then he was showing us all these fucking reps on his magic whiteboard and. Bearing in mind, he is the kin of clickbait. Yeah, it was it was fucking carnage. But there are some interesting points which, if you listen to these bits, will link back to what we just spoke about on the going to failure stuff. So he adds. If I were to focus on the heavy category, so that 1-7 to range, I'm not necessarily focusing on failure. I don't have to take a squat to failure and many times we don't. You're You're just trying to drive high levels of tension through the weights you would normally use to perform the exercises and that in itself is a driver of hypertrophy it becomes more imperative that you reach failure as you get higher and higher up, especially as you go into the 20s because we don't have adequate levels of tension. We have to have higher levels of effort and intensity in pushing ourselves to failure here. So you would probably do the isolation exercises at those higher reps as opposed to the compound exercises at the lower reps.
1: Yeah, there were some nuggets in there. I mean, the first thing that did come to my mind was look at this article of, well, the absolute state of journalism in general (laughs) because like... This uh, this author of this article literally did fucking nothing. to yeah, Copy and yeah. paste the script and pass it off as article. Enough. Yeah. What's it? I don't mention. I, I'll just mention his first name instead of his whole name in case you know he gets sued. But you know, Phil. You know, Phil. the author. Phil the journalist. <laughs> you linked know. the video. It's they gonna be my big it. article. <laughs> literally, I think like there's a single sentence that is of, of his content. own making, and then they've just like yeah. Pa- passed it off as their own article it was it's like brilliant. what the fuck yeah
0: they've literally copied jeff's video
1: well, all they've done is just dictated from the video like yeah. word for word like what he talks about um i mean i think like there, there are some nuggets to be taken from so look elephant in the room i'm not a big fan at all of uh, jeff cavalier or his athlete next brand i think he's a bullshitter most vast majority of the time. I think we're just being simplified to say like, look, reps do matter, but I do understand that some people could be too focused on like, oh, I need to just get to 10. The destination. Basically, if you're doing your if you're doing your set and you're doing a certain amount of reps, you need to do them with some form of intent. Mm-hmm. And as we just previously discussed, that could be whether you're training them to absolute failure or just shy from failure. That's all you had to say. But to give it a clickbait matter by saying reps don't matter – Reps do indeed matter because you'll get different adaptations
0: depending on what rep range you're doing. He fucking went on and on. The, th- the thing I want to take away from this about reps not mattering, uh, that they don't matter, is something I, I've I've spoken about before. Is people get into this, this mindset of they'll go, let's say they're going to go and see me do bicep curls. Okay, okay, I'm going to go and do three sets of twelve. Okay, brilliant. The chances are if you hit three sets of twelve every single set, you might not be training hard enough. Really, what you want to be focusing on is you might get that third set of twelve, the second set you might only hit ten. The third one you might only hit eight because you are then hitting then two well one to three reps in reserve. Mm. So the idea is, is, I think what Jeff's trying to say is that don't focus on that end point of like okay you want to get to seven reps, ten reps, fifteen reps. Think about what you're doing to get there. So you're going through the motions. You're, you you know you're lifting whatever. How are you feeling after each of these lifts? That mind because people talk about of that mind fucking muscle connection stuff. Think about what you're doing. And then when you get to a point of like, let's say rep seven, you go, actually, I'm thinking now, I'm actually probably two reps away from failing here. I should probably stop. Whereas if you're thinking I've got to get to 12, you end up getting sloppy. So you start having technical breakdown, which is important when it comes to hypertrophy. If you're having technical breakdown on something like a bent over row and you turn it into a, as we spoke about before, an inverted bench press. If you start doing things (laughs) like this because you want to hit rep 12, because that's what the program says, you're actually not doing anything. You're just potentially causing yourself more harm because you're pushing Past that failure point by doing all sorts of stuff, which means you could be doing too much too soon. So instead of thinking, oh, I've got to get to this number, be more mindful of how you're getting there and be like, okay, that number's not too important. I'm, I'm working in this rep range as opposed to one yeah. fixed number. By
1: having that super fixed number, you might just get to that number. You could go one of two ways, actually. It could I be mean, too easy. Well, <laughs> it could be too easy. You could get to that, you could be like, Eight reps away from actual failure, but you've done your 12 and you've mm. dumped your weights and you walked off, yeah, or you yeah. might be, yeah. You, you, what about if you only get to what if it says on your program, right three sets of 12, but you only manage to get to 10 with a selected weight? Mm. What What then? Uh, one thing that I do with um, one of my current clients for his accessory exercises, I've actually given him a, a rep range, so I've actually done, said to him, like, I've given him like a particular weight which I know he can kind of uh, handle, and I've said, right. Basically, you're going to get anywhere from 8 to 15 reps. I don't care if in that time you get only 11, or you actually get to 15, or Jesus Christ, you only manage to get, I don't know, an odd number. You only get to do a set of 9. As long as you get within 8 to 15 reps, and it's a difficulty where it's like an RPE of 8 or 9, I'm I'm happy with that. So actually, when I go through his program, it will look like just random numbers. So I'll be like, okay, 15 this one was like a 13, another 13. Oh, and the very last set, obviously because it was getting tougher, it's now like a 10. But that's fine. I've not just said, yeah, three sets of 15. It's actually, no, Let's can we get from eight to 15? And what's working within this rep range? Get close to so That way, exactly. If you manage to get to 15 reps and you know you could have done loads more because you didn't hit your RPE level, go up in weight. Mm-hmm. What about if it's the very first set and you can't even do eight? Yeah go down in weight it's as simple as that because at the end of the day what i'm giving those accessory movements for in particular is hypertrophy so what i'm trying to do is give them enough um enough volume through that rep range of 8 to 15 and we're just relying on you to you know go close to failure basically if it was strength then i would be like no no i'll do we do a specific rep range because that's what's going to allow us to actually measure Mm. how
0: strong you're getting another important point that uh jeff made in the video so we saw about four is that Once again, these rep ranges, like you can build muscle at pretty much any of these rep ranges that people always think. Like people always think that you have to go eight to 12 reps to build muscle. You can actually build muscle with a resistance band going 20, 30 plus reps. The key thing is, which links in with this last bit of news we spoke about, about the going to failure, as long as you get close to failure, you are going to be eliciting enough stimulus to grow muscle. So, actually, with a resistance band, if you had to do 40 bicep curls resistance band and you've got support, you're pretty much failing, you've actually done enough there to elicit some, uh, some growth. it was a, It's a simple thing, really, but obviously Jeff is he's a master of buying yeah. <laughs> things. I mean, it is
1: it is ironic that a man who says, uh, you know, don't bother counting your reps, whether it be clickbait or not, actually bought out a program that was German volume training, 10 sets of 10 reps at 80% of your one rep
0: max. That's disgusting. So I, I, I
1: don't know, that. Jeff. I, I think reps should matter. <laughs> reps should certainly matter.
0: Guys, that has been episode two of the Fitness News. If you've got any questions on any of that, because there's a lot going on there, get in touch. We are on Instagram. We've got an email address. All in the show notes. Head down there. Get in touch. Um, So that's been episode two, Tom. I'm quite enjoying this new format. What about you? Yeah, I'm enjoying it.
1: I almost feel like a proper newsreader.
0: I'm a gossip columnist. We should probably add, though, that we did do a poll. Well, I did a poll on our Instagram asking people about... Oh, fuck. you wearing a shirt and I tie? I was going to escape this! No, and then someone t- someone sent in a message saying that we should wear lab coats for the science bits and then the suit bits for the news bits. Um, It'd give us credibility. It would, but that's a lot of changing. That's a lot of carnage. Um, this podcast is already chaotic enough as it is with me having to get a change parade every two seconds. That's what I'm
1: saying. Do you know what I was going to do just to take the absolute piss God. and risk uh, getting banned on social media. I was actually going to put a. I was actually going to change my username to just Dr. Tom Reardon.
0: Dr. Tom Reardon.
1: Yeah, and then I was just going to put in, in the bio part, I was actually just going to put doctor in and I was going to make up something just because, like, it's, you know, social media is so unregulated. But I thought, Joe, well, it'll give me credibility. <laughs> I might start doing videos with a stethoscope around my neck.
0: <laughs> Doctors are podcasting.
1: Yeah. Oh, I might just, yeah, wear, like, a an overcoat and hold up, like, a... An Erlenmeyer flask as I'm talking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Just to give me some credibility.
0: I think this podcast gives us enough credibility, mate. I don't know what we are, actually. What are we? We're, we're all right we're, right? right. we're all right.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean... We're not,
0: we're not the worst. Yeah, we, yeah, we're not the worst, are we? It could always be worse. We could be doing things better, Tom. We could always be better. We are We are agents of growth <laughs> on this podcast.
1: So you're saying we could always be better, bless me, so we could always be worse. I know. It's, you
0: know
1: half the cup's half full with you half empty with me absolutely
0: um, <laughs> guys if you think we're all right as well and you think you know these these guys are right they're okay um, and you are enjoying this brand new format the fitness news give us a rating on your podcast app if you think we could always be worse let us know let us know but yeah give us a rating on your podcast app five stars preferably that'd be ideal
1: but if, if you want to give us one star then it might motivate us to you know
0: I mean it won't to uh, it'd be quite upsetting to be better I might have to cry and
1: be less worse be better, be less shit. Like positive gaslighting, positive gaslighting. That's a new thing I'm coming out with.
0: Five stars, please. We can all that. What Tom just said. I don't want to be positively gaslight. Gaslit. Or, or one, if you want. Or or five. Just just stick with five. Just five stars. Five stars will do. I don't know why Tom's being so negative. Meet in the middle. Go for free. Don't <laughs> give into terrorism. Right. We're now going to be known as an average health and fitness podcast. Fantastic. <laughs> just a plain, <laughs> a, a plain average health and fitness podcast run by two fucking mental Brits. Brilliant oh god right anyway once you've once you've rated us three stars as we've now decided you're going to rate us three stars um make sure you hit that subscribe slash fottom uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> subscribe <laughs> what the is f- that, that i lost english
0: Fotten. i've gone german right oh, oh here comes the motivational <laughs> 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 pull out of the fucking wardrobe <laughs> right quick let's fucking end right okay logo. anyway As I was saying, once you've rated us three stars, obviously five stars preferably, um, make sure you hit that subscribe slash follow button because apparently, according to some podcast magicians out there in the world, certain apps such as Apple Podcasts will push your content more depending on the number of followers you've got. FYI, we can't actually see how many followers and subscribers we've got. However, the apps can. So if you've not already done so or you are new around here, hit that button. It'll help us out quite a bit. It has been a pleasure as always. And we will see you next week, same time, same place, for some more fitness news. See you soon.
1: Bye. (laughs) What was that? I was going to say it will be the same, but I decided against it.
0: That's that's (laughs) Staden.